Costs to originate keep rising, even with more technology in the industry. The problem is the core platform. A new LOS can re-architect the process around data, not humans moving paper files. Vesta has built this LOS, and you can learn more at Vesta.com. Welcome, everyone. My guest today is editor Chris Cloud to talk about Reverse Mortgage Daily moving to its new home on HousingWire.com and why we are bullish on the reverse industry, which leads us into a discussion of the much-debated silver tsunami. Chris, welcome back to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me back, Sarah. It's a pleasure to see you again. You know, I always love having you on. Um, you you cover um, governmental things and sort of what we call the federal beat for Housing Wire, but you're also the editor of Reverse Mortgage Daily. Um, and we have just brought Reverse Mortgage Daily onto the Housing Wire homepage um, so that it's easier for people to find all the information in one place. So huge deal months in the making. Um, we're very excited about it and very excited that you're still going to be helming um, our reverse coverage. And that was the, the question we got from a lot of people was like, you know, so you're, you're pretty central to this whole deal. <laughs> well, it's nice to hear. Uh, I know for a fact how passionate the reverse mortgage specific audience can be. Uh, so I'm, I'm, I'm pleased to continue providing the coverage that they need to do their jobs. Well, I love that. We we love that. Our, our I will mention our launch sponsor there was Longbridge Financial. Really appreciate them um, helping us launch this. Um, it's not a new product, but it might be new to some of our um, readers who are used to like the forward mortgages or real estate. Um, and the reason that we did that is the same reason I wanted you on today, which is we really see the opportunity in reverse mortgages, we really see um, what's what's coming there. And so that's what I'd love to pick your brain about, because I think um, a lot of people aren't paying attention to what's happened in reverse mortgage. They might still think about the reverse mortgages of like 2010 or early 2000s. It's a much different product. And that's why it's really interesting to us. So first things first, um, tell us a little bit about the product. Yeah. Uh, Reverse Mortgage Daily was a uh, publication that began back in 2007. It was uh, the, the the person who founded the publication uh, and who used to be its owner uh, actually served as a reverse mortgage originator for part of his career before he uh, transitioned into providing uh, news and insights and um, kind of stumbled into becoming a news publication. It really more started as a blog before it actually uh, sought out professional journalists to provide industry-specific news. And really, the the underpinning idea behind RMD as a publication is just that precisely what you said. It's an underserved component of the mortgage market. There are a lot of very highly specific details uh, that go into conducting reverse mortgage business and without sort of a journalistic entity to provide information about what the developments are uh, on those details, largely with, when it comes to government regulation, uh, then, you know, it might be kind of like being uh, up a river without a paddle. And um, there, because the reverse mortgage industry is so highly dependent on uh, an FHA lending program, specifically the Home Equity Conversion Mortgage Program that really got kicked off in the late 1980s, the, the industry is very, very reactive to changes in, in government regulation that apply to FHA. On top of that, the reverse mortgage uh, product category serves a protected class. So those concerns also go into the regulation of the product. But over the years, too, uh, particularly during the financial crisis, there have been 
uh, a lot of different changes in the posture of the industry in terms of lenders coming in, lenders leaving, developing products that aren't uh, connected to the FHA program. So there are a lot of different segments uh, of the reverse mortgage industry that uh, that need sort of a, a dedicated journalistic eye, because not only do you have product development that needs to be kept track of, but the regulatory side of things, developments in the retirement posture of older Americans is a really important detail for reverse mortgage originators and brokers to connect with older borrowers to figure out, well, what is happening with the retirement landscape? How prepared are people? Uh, to absorb the costs of uh, maybe a more dedicated health issue on a fixed income. Those are really the kinds of issues that the reverse mortgage industry is designed to serve. So uh, the RMD publication, the RMD product, and the ongoing RMD coverage that will now live at housingwire.com is designed to provide uh, daily coverage that gives an overview of regulatory changes that take place to check people in on uh, changes in the retirement posture of Americans, to talk to uh, reverse mortgage industry professionals all over the country about what they're seeing in their own backyards, and, uh, and, and just to give the lay of the land to that still very highly underserved segment of the mortgage industry. So uh, that's what we hope to do on, on an ongoing basis and, uh, and to provide uh, that industry specifically with the news that they need. But also anyone who is active in the reverse mortgage industry will tell you that because it serves a comparatively smaller segment of the mortgage business uh, when looking at the forward side in particular, there's not a lot of awareness about the product. There's not a lot of awareness about the dynamics that could lead someone to uh, to take out a reverse mortgage. Uh, there are a, a large segment of seniors that seek out forward mortgages, like a 30-year fixed in their 70s, and that may not be the most appropriate product for them. Uh, so, I mean, the reverse mortgage, particularly the FHA home equity conversion mortgage, the HECM, is a product that is time-tested, that has a lot of regulatory scrutiny around it at really any given time and is uh, something that is specifically designed for older borrowers to unlock the equity that is in their homes, uh, whether it's for uh, you know a, a need that might arise where maybe a health issue comes along that they need to have access to additional cash for. Uh, an increasingly common, although not a ma majority common, but an increasingly common use of a reverse mortgage could be for retirement planning purposes. Uh, we have dedicated coverage and we've even held virtual events that have explained the dynamics around that uh, with professionals who seek those kinds of uh, solutions out. So there are a lot of different dynamics to the reverse mortgage business that have application on the forward side. It is a mortgage product at the end of the day. It's sensitive to rates and, and uh, you know, we have to track borrowing metrics and, and securitizations and, uh, and all of the different product developments that come along. But, uh, you know, since the volume is a smaller share, it just doesn't command very much attention, even though the demographic trends show that the U.S. population is getting older faster. So that is that's really the key right there. So, you know, that um, we've been talking about a silver tsunami that, you know, silver tsunami, that that phrase pops up in the media 
every every once in a while. Um, it means different things to different people. Um, to some to some people, that silver tsunami is like um, there's about to be this flood of inventory because all these baby boomers are going to sell their houses. And you know, Logan and I talked about that I think last week on the podcast because he is a big proponent of the fact that there is not a bunch of inventory about to come on the market. But when you're in the reverse space, I think that you you think of the silver tsunami in a different way. So tell me tell me what the reverse industry thinks about that term and what they mean when they say that. Yeah, I mean, I think that in years past, the reverse industry was maybe looking at the silver tsunami in a similar way to like, well, there's going to be a flood of inventory. However, I think the reverse industry primarily sees that term as just applicable to the demographic trends, because for all intents and purposes, yes, the inventory hasn't arrived, but the people certainly are. And that means that there is an increasing number. I think it's about 10,000 seniors turning 65 every day is the commonly cited figure. And that doesn't necessarily translate into inventory on the forward side, but it does translate into 10,000 people uh, potentially new uh, becoming qualifying for a reverse mortgage. They, they, uh, the, the trends are not something that you can stop. We've seen it play out with greater rapidity in other countries, certainly, but in the United States, uh, there is not going to be an abatement of older people in the country. So what that means for the reverse mortgage industry is that, Hey, this is more people that qualify for the product. That means that this is potentially a lot more people that we can serve. So the silver tsunami doesn't necessarily mean inventory as much as it just means that there are more people who will qualify for a reverse mortgage product in the future. And um, getting that's why getting the word out about the product dynamics and the requirements and even just information about the fact that it exists is so critically important to the people who work within the industry uh, because uh, as you know, previously alluded to, Americans largely are not prepared for retirement. So if you have a tsunami of people who are turning 62, 63, 64, 65, and they're not prepared to absorb uh, maybe the, the kinds of costs that come with aging on a fixed income, then they're going to have to try and find some other option. And the reverse mortgage industry is basically saying, hey, you know, we're here. And we can potentially serve as a solution. Now, I think any reverse mortgage professional who understands the dynamics of the market and of the product will tell you that this is not something that can work for everybody, but for the people that it can provide assistance for, they want those people to at least be aware of the fact that this is something that, um, that they could seek out if the situation is right for it. So it's more just a matter of the fact that the, the demographics are certainly not slowing down, even if that doesn't necessarily translate into the inventory discussion of the silver tsunami. There is a silver tsunami in terms of people becoming older. I love that distinction. And you're absolutely right. Uh, Chris, we will we will make sure that Logan uh, gets that message too, because definitely um, the silver tsunami, as far as a demographic patch of very um, you know people who are turning that age, a, a huge wave of them, and that own a ton of real estate and that have a ton of equity in that real estate, that is absolutely a hundred percent true. Well, I, I would love to ask you a little bit about this because, of course, some people think. Um, 
of maybe we, we could say, you know, their father's reverse mortgage product and not the one that is actually offered now after a lot of, um, you know, regulations were put in place and, and really it changed the product. So even though that happened years ago, people might still have the, the old one in mind. So tell us a little bit about the things that, you know, some of the misconceptions people have about reverse mortgages that you know are not true and that people in the industry wish other people knew were not true. Well, I mean, one of the things that immediately comes to mind is just the fact that over the course of the last mm, 15 years or so, borrower protections have been a, a key priority of uh, certainly of FHA and by extension, the lenders who want to come into compliance with FHA. The financial crisis saw uh, originations of reverse mortgages that did not necessarily keep borrower protections at the top of mind, and the industry was forced to, uh, to, to get in line with them. Uh, one of the major misconceptions about reverse mortgages are, well, it's, it's a little more nuanced, as is most things in the reverse mortgage business, but uh, the upfront cost discussion of a reverse mortgage uh, is a, is, it takes up a lot of quote unquote real estate, no pun intended, in the reverse mortgage discussion. Um, and I think what any reverse mortgage educator will tell you certainly is that you need to assess uh, the upfront cost. Uh, which generally are higher than a forward mortgage, sometimes significantly so, with the problem that they want to solve uh, by taking a reverse mortgage out. So uh, if someone has a, uh, a lot of time left on their forward mortgage, for instance, they have a lot of payments left, um, it, does it make more sense to absorb more upfront costs immediately when originating a reverse mortgage if that means that you don't have to make that forward mortgage payment ever again? That's a critical component of the conversation for a lot of reverse mortgage originators. And when you're on a fixed income, those forward mortgage payments can take up a significant chunk of, uh, of, of the check that you might get every month, whether you're talking about a pension, although those are far less common these days, or a 401k or some other kind of uh, retirement plan. Uh, solving problems is what most of the reverse mortgage professionals that I talk to on a regular basis uh, that's what they say is their top priority. So, um, you know, when it comes to other sort of misconceptions about the reverse mortgage product, I mean, how much time have you got? It's, <laughs> it's, a, little, it's a little difficult to parse it down just because, again, the education component of the reverse mortgage discussion is so critically important to connecting with potential borrowers and even with referral partners. Reverse mortgages do not have a good reputation in the public, and a lot of that stems from the lack of borrower protections that were uh, in place, or not in place, I should say, uh, during the financial crisis. So the industry certainly wants to get out the idea that, hey, we've come into alignment with the borrower protections that FHA has put into place. And um, when I speak to even high-level government officials, I've had the chance over the last few months to speak with people like Julia Gordon, the FHA commissioner, or Elena McCargo, the president of Ginny May. And one of the consistent things that they tell me is that, look, Heckam is time-tested. Heckam has a, a, a very easy-to-see track record about what it's doing to keep borrower protections in mind. People who serve as leaders in the reverse mortgage industry, both in the companies themselves, but also at organizations like the National Reverse Mortgage Lenders Association, certainly want to try to communicate the idea that borrower protections are a priority. 
you've had certain instances where state regulators have gotten involved saying that borrower protections need to be uh, bolstered further, and they might not be aware of some of the changes that have been made to the FHA HECM product over the last 15 years. Uh, something that comes to mind is uh, when um, in New York State, at the end of 2020, I believe, or maybe it was 2019, uh, then Governor Andrew Cuomo uh, had a bill come across his desk that would allow uh, for proprietary private label reverse mortgages on co-ops. And he sent it back to, uh, to the state Senate and the state uh, assembly saying we need more borrower protections. I was the HUD secretary in the second term of the Clinton administration, and I know reverse mortgages, but you know, the industry said, well, you know, the, the companies are modeling these private label products off of the FHA product. So there are uh, more borrower protections in place, but we'll take a look at it and we'll see what we can do. And then um, there was a transition in the governor's seat a, a, in New York and Governor Hochul ultimately signed that bill into law. So private label reverse mortgages are allowed on co-ops in that state. Um, but you also have uh, just the general fact that do you really want a, a senior in their 70s, in their mid to late 70s in most cases, although I think the average borrower age in the reverse mortgage business is about 72, uh, getting into a new 30-year mortgage that they're probably not going to pay back. And uh, I think it comes down to finding a product that is appropriate for the age group, finding something that is time-tested, something that has a lot of attention, especially right now. In fact, it's probably got an unusual degree of attention from leaders at FHA and even the White House, uh, the HECM program, I mean. So the industry is all about trying to bolster borrower education just to get the word out, because it seems like the word that is out right now is informed by an out-of-date conception of what the borrower protection uh, apparatus looked like quite a while ago. And it's just simply out of date, but old perceptions like old habits die hard. And uh, that's why you, I mean, I've reported on instances where reverse mortgages are the fodder for jokes for late night TV hosts and even uh, uh, Peter Griffin on Family Guy. And, and they uh, keep a lot of the misconceptions going. And when they break into the public consciousness like that, then it's even harder for the detail-oriented regulatory information, certainly, to, to come through with any degree of, of recognizability. So it's a constant uh, discussion point in the reverse mortgage business uh, to improve borrower education. Lenders themselves have invested a lot into education practices. Uh, there's a reason why uh, when people think of reverse mortgages today, they largely think of maybe a single spokesman on TV because there's very few players that operate at a high enough level to make those kinds of investments to get in front of older folks on their TV screens when they're uh, watching either daytime programming or in some cases, uh, limited primetime programming. So there's a lot of dimensions that go into the information ecosystem of the reverse mortgage business. And it's a constant point of discussion for people in the business. It really is. And I, you know, I think that um, anyone in the forward mortgage business would, would understand. It's like, it's like thinking that, you know, 
um, you know, someone with a no income, you know, with no income and can, can go and buy a house right now without, you know, uh, with just a stated income, they don't have to give you any docs. They don't have to, I mean, that's just, you know, yes, you can, you know, there are non pro, uh, non QM bank loan programs, but there's nothing like the, you know, wild, wild west of the great fi- that led to the great financial crisis or that, that mortgage episode, um, you know, era, uh, of origination that's going on right now. And, and it, and it actually cannot happen. I mean, if you're, if you're going for a conventional loan, the, the, the rules are so different in the same way, the same sort of, um, you know, things happen in the reverse space and it is a different product than it was. And I think that's one of the main ideas that led to uh, RMD to make the move under the larger housing wire umbrella, because as much as specialization in covering the reverse mortgage space is really necessary uh, just to keep the the individualized sensitivities and priorities of that business in mind, uh, there is also a necessity to uh, get more of that kind of information in front of more forward mortgage professionals, just so they're aware of what those dynamics are like. Uh, some of my reporting recently at the end of the of, of last year was focused on more reverse mortgage professionals and companies trying to bring more forward mortgage professionals into the fold uh, as referral partners in some cases, or to actually train forward mortgage originators to do reverse. And it's a very different kind of business. It's far more consultative than the traditional mortgage business is. Uh, you have senior borrowers in, in a lot of cases who maintain contact with their originators sometimes years after their loan closes uh, because they are trusted uh, to walk them through the specifics of what uh, maybe a new piece of guidance entails. I know uh, originators who have said that they come to me before they go to their servicer if they get uh, some other kind of correspondence from their servicer that might require them to send a, an, an occupancy check document or some other uh, kind of document in. And that's why it's so, I think, important for reverse mortgage daily coverage to get in front of more forward mortgage professionals through housingwire.com, through certainly this podcast, just to become aware of what the dynamics of that industry uh, what they, what those dynamics really come with. And, uh, so it's all about getting the word out about what this specific industry brings to the table and, uh, and why it is probably going to be a good idea to keep an eye on it, considering the demographic trends that we are seeing here and that we've certainly seen in other parts of the world. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You know, one of the things we talk about um, with people 
um, you know, who are, who are the people who are moving? Who are the people who are buying different houses? And one thing we always talk about is people who want to um, downsize. But I can tell you as someone in that dem- demographic myself, there are not a lot of options um, in this low inventory environment that we have. That's across all of the, you know, the entire uh, landscape. And in the first place, there are not a lot of like, oh, here's a great downsize option for people um, if they're used to, you know, if, if they're looking for a certain neighborhood or, or, or whatever. Like, so the idea that, oh, I'm going to be able to downsize, especially if I'm locked into a low rate and if I might be, you know, if I'm in California and I've got the the uh, Prop 13, you know, benefit that I have there or in other states where things have been passed, it's much better for that person. And they're going to make the decision to just stay in the home that they have. They're going to age in place, you know, what we call age in place. And that's what a reverse mortgage is really, um, you know, that's what it's going to help with is like, you're going to be able to stay where you have, you know, been living for the last 20 years, 40 years, whatever it is. And I think that that reflects more the reality of how most people want to do this. Absolutely. Uh, I mean, aging in place, survey information about aging in place is pretty clear. People want to stay in their homes. And it's really easy to see why. I mean, if they've spent upwards of decades there, like you said, there's a deep emotional attachment to living in their home. But also, mechanically speaking, uh, if they're locked into a, a, a 3% mortgage rate uh, in, in their current home, then it doesn't make sense for them to try and find something else. And you and I have spoken in the past about certain edge cases where downsizing into a smaller home might be outside of a senior's budget because home prices have exploded so much during the pandemic and afterward. So, you know, there could be a, a hypothetical scenario where uh, someone is getting older, they notice that um, maybe they have some impediments to their mobility and uh, it would make sense for them to live somewhere else. They price things out. It doesn't make sense for them to move. So what other options can they explore? Well, you can use uh, the proceeds of a reverse mortgage to renovate the home that you have to be more friendly for aging in place, you know, to widen the doorways or maybe to, to get an elevator uh, to, a, to a second story if you have one, to uh, renovate a bathroom for uh, grab bars, non-slip mats, and, and, and things like that, to add stairs to the front of a house or, or a ramp to the front of a house if, if you don't have one. Uh, these are the kinds of things that you can use a reverse mortgage for. Um, and those parts of the conversation don't really enter into the discussion, especially on the forward side, uh, because why would they? You know, the forward mortgages serve a, such a wide swath of the population. But uh, again, you know, as the population of the U.S. in particular is getting older faster, and if I, I know that, I mean, it, I, Logan is the rate expert. I'm certainly not going to talk about rates, but I mean, if they stay elevated to the point where it creates an issue for a senior to downsize into a different home, then exploring the options that you have for the home that you live in now will become more important and have become more important. We've seen more aging in place attention from uh, the Department of Housing and Urban Development in recent years. We've seen grant disbursements that are specifically designed to allow for renovations. But if a senior is in a position where they don't necessarily qualify for something like a grant payment to cover that stuff, then a reverse mortgage could be an option. You could apply those proceeds to renovate your home to make it friendlier for uh, your circumstances as you get older. So these are just some of the 
elements that I, I try to keep an eye on. You know, there's a lot of different elements uh, that go into covering the reverse mortgage space or even just adjacent news that is relevant to the reverse mortgage space. Uh, and that's what RMD aims to provide on a regular basis. So hopefully getting uh, that coverage uh, into a more visible area of housingwire.com will help to make a difference. And that's certainly what we hope to do. I love that. And Chris, um, you know, excited that you're going to continue this great coverage that you've really made a name for yourself for. I mean, everyone in the reverse space knows you, appreciates the coverage, and we appreciate it because um, you come with a lot of expertise in this and and you understand the players there and and what they're trying to do it is a very different vibe in the sense that it's a very collegial vibe there. I mean, I'm always surprised and, you know, it, it's very, it's delightful how the reverse space really supports each other. They're less competitors and they are, you know, fighting the same battle to, um, to get more understanding and, and more uh, people into the ver- reverse product. Yeah. I mean, if there is any common refrain that I think any reverse mortgage lender shares is it's about the rising tide, you know, um, because they are fighting many of the same battles. That doesn't mean that, you know, when it comes down to it, that they aren't competing tooth and nail for the business. But most major leaders in the reverse mortgage industry always talk about not just taking a piece of an existing pie, but actually making a bigger pie uh, because it's pretty small right now. But uh, the ones who are dedicated to the space are really dedicated to trying to grow the pie. And the best way you do that is by informing more people about the fact that this is something that exists. This is something that they can avail themselves of. And it's something that, uh, you know, with intervention from the federal government, certainly uh, is much safer than it used to be. So, uh, you know, if, if, if I have the FHA commissioner and the president of Ginnie Mae who are telling me directly about this is the fact that this is a time-tested product and it's a time-tested program that we are always keeping our eye on, then, uh, you know, the hope is that that translates on the government side into additional public trust uh, in the product category broadly. But that also doesn't mean that uh, people don't need to keep an eye out for the best circumstances that they can fulfill to try and find a a good reverse mortgage product that fits for them. That's why it's so important to find an originator that you trust. And it's important to keep track of all of the different dynamics that take place uh, across this industry. So that's what, uh, what I hope to contribute to uh, as RMD has uh, something of a new home. We are very excited about that. We see huge opportunity uh, for consumers and for uh, mortgage professionals in in this space, so we're excited to uh, champion it and and give it a, a more prominent spot on our homepage. And Chris, thanks for being on and walking us through all things uh, reverse. I uh, as I do, I will have you on regularly to talk about the uh, the latest news. But I appreciate you being on today. I look forward to it. Thank you very much, Sarah. Thanks for listening to Housing Wire Daily. If you haven't already, we'd love for you to take a minute to rate the show and leave a comment. And make sure to tune in tomorrow for more news and insight.